Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and I hope that you are having a wonderful day wherever it is that you happen to be across this across this immense globe that we live in. It, uh, let me just say that sometimes I, you find out about somebody, and my next guest, my guest today is Sarah Long. And I have to just kind of give you a quick backstory on this because Sarah contacted me about what she was doing. And I was like, this is so intriguing. I've got to, I've got to have her on the show and we've got to figure out how to make this work. So uh, Sarah Long is the chief financial officer for the state of West Virginia who recently became a, a published author. So first off, let me just say, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Rob. I appreciate it. No problem at all. So let's just kind of start with the backstory here. Okay, you became a published author. Tell us about your book. What What's your book about? Because I think this is fascinating. Well, the book is titled College Cooking 101, Fast Food Without a Kitchen. And it came about when my daughter went away to a large out-of-state university and did not like the food. So she needed to start cooking in her dorm room. And of course, there's no stove or oven in a dorm room. So I started trying to think creatively about how she could cook in her dorm room. I started sending her texts and emails. And then I started thinking, then COVID hit, and I started thinking, you know, maybe I could make this into a book. Maybe this is a book. Um, and told a couple of friends about it, and, and they said, yeah, I'd love a copy of that book. I'd I think I'm interested in that. And and so that's that's how it came about. And, and I should say, too, I should back up and say that when I had this problem that she needed to start cooking in her dorm room, I looked on Amazon to just buy a book to solve this problem. Sure. And there are some college cookbooks out there, but none without a stove or an oven in a dorm room. They're all like apartment living. Right. So I felt like this was a unique niche where there wasn't a book that filled that space. I, I love the concept. Because, okay. The joke about college food is that there are always two complaints about college food. Number one, it's terrible and nobody likes it. Number two, they don't give you enough, which kind of <laughs> I find to be a little bit of an oxymoron. If, if you don't like it, why do you want more? But at the same time, <laughs> what you're saying is, okay, let's be creative about this. Let's figure out a way that if you, if you can't find what you like, then let's figure out a way for you to get something that's going to get you through this. And, um, and it makes, it, it makes do with, with what you have available. Um, I love that idea. So, you know, let me just ask you, what are some of the fun things that you're, that she's been able to make in her dorm room, um, that, are easy enough, but are also kind of good. They're enjoyable to eat and maybe even possibly healthy. Okay, and and let me tell you a quick story first. It kind of kind of reminds me of uh, I have a family friend who went to school in the early '80s before microwave popcorn, and she everybody took a popcorn popper to college back in the eighties. And she used to make grilled cheese sandwiches in this microwave popcorn in this popcorn machine. And so that kind of started thinking me of how can you get creative with what you have, which is what she did, took a popcorn popper, made grilled cheese. So um, the cure, there's a Keurig machine and almost every, everybody has a coffee maker, some, something that you can get hot water from, whether it's a teapot, a Keurig machine, just a regular coffee maker. And so there are tons of things you can make just with hot water, you know, soup, jello, uh, instant mashed potatoes, stovetop stuffing. I mean, there is a huge list of 
what you can do just with hot water. So think about, you know, what can you do with what you have right. and get creative with what you have? Um, so, okay. I think that's a really important life lesson for college kids to get about being creative with what you have. And, and listen, I wasn't even thinking in this direction, but you've got me started. Okay. Listen, I'm a person with a disability, right? I've got some major limitations in my life, but when I look at what I have available, it's how can I be creative with the skills and abilities that I have to be successful and to, and, you know, to move forward. And you're teaching these kids. And I, I mean, I've got two freshmen um, at Duquesne university, so I, I'm allowed to call them kids, I think, uh, but you're teaching these kids to, to say, okay, instead of focusing on what I don't like or what's not enjoyable or what I'm having a problem with say, okay, how do I solve this problem? And how do I do it using just the things that I have? And I'm not, I'm not wish I'm not complaining and saying the cafeteria needs to change their food. Um, I'm saying I'm going to address the problem. And I'm also not wishing that I had a full service kitchen, which would have been nice, but to say, okay, I'm going to learn how to solve problems with the things that I have readily accessible. That's a phenomenal lesson. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I think back to your original question though, what kinds of things can you make that are, that are healthy, that, and I, and I think, you know, the first thing you start with is a microwave. Uh, my daughter had a microwave in her room. A lot of the dorm rooms do, or you can rent one. A okay. lot of times they come with a fridge. There's so much you can make in a microwave. Eggs, omelets, and you can make them in a mug so that they're circular and they go great on an English muffin or bagel, take them to class. Okay. Yeah. It makes, it makes so much sense. And then, you know, because um, listen, you were talking about your friend who was making grilled cheese on a popcorn maker. Okay, my my kids during their senior year, um, they're one of the classes that they had. Their teacher taught them all the things that you can cook in a waffle maker, uh, which I would imagine is a very similar concept. Uh, it's outside the box because you're taking a Keurig machine and you're saying, okay. Instead of getting coffee out of it, we're getting hot water and we can do all kinds of stuff with that. Uh, so mm -hmm. it is, it's impressive. So you take all of this information and you, what is the tipping point for you to say, okay, this is something that I think my daughter can benefit from, but there's got to be other people besides my daughter who can benefit th from this. I'm, I think I, I should write a book. I think I should make this into a cookbook. You're not an author, right? You, this is not your background. So talk to me about this, I, the idea of, okay, this is going to be a book and then we can talk about kind of the next steps as to how it went from there. Well, when I first started, like I said, I sent a series of texts and emails to her. And then I started thinking, you know, I think I'm going to start compiling this in a loose leaf notebook for myself because I have a son who's actually getting ready to go to college. Okay. And I thought he's going to be able to use this information. And I had mentioned it to a neighbor friend who has college kids. And she said, well, I'd like to have a copy of that loose leaf notebook. And so I started thinking, you know, I think maybe I have something here. Um, particularly when I said I looked on Amazon and didn't see another book in that particular niche or space. And so um, I Googled, how do you write a book proposal? I mean, how do you even submit? I mean, like you said, I, I did not, I'm not an author. This is not my background. 
I'm a CPA. I've always done accounting, not something, you know, publishing is not something that I'm familiar with at all. So I just started researching, you know, how do you get published? Um, and, and the first step is a book proposal. And I have taken several marketing classes um, with my business background. So I do know that you need to market yourself, market your book and, and how you do that and how you frame that. And so I wrote this book proposal, which is essentially just a marketing piece. You market yourself and the book and sent it to about 50 publishers that I found online that would accept. Um, there's a lot of publishers where you have to have an agent. Right. But I decided, you know, I'm a first time author. I'm just going to do this directly to publishers. So I sent this book proposal to about 50 and I, I ended up getting three contracts back. That's awesome. And I think that it's really cool that you're doing the research and you're finding out that it's not easy, but it's not super complicated either. Or, or where would you say in the continuum that it is that, you know, because you did a lot of research. 50 is a lot of uh, publishers to find. That's a lot of proposals. And um, additionally, like three out of 50 doesn't sound like a super high success rate, but you only need one, right? Right, right. And, and I think getting published at all where, you know, traditionally published. I mean, right. certainly you can get published if you pay for a book yourself. To, but, but I wasn't willing to do that. I thought, you know, I'll just keep my loose leaf notebook if I have to do it myself. I definitely want to do go with a traditional publisher who's going to pay for marketing and the co book cover and all that. I wasn't willing to front a bunch of money to sure. do this. Um, so that was that was what I was looking for. Good. Um I love, I love what you're doing. Okay. Because what you're saying is I see a problem and I'm looking for the solution and where I can't find the solution, I can actually be the solution to the problem, which is great. I'm assuming though, then you're encouraging other people to say, listen, as you're out there, anybody can do this, right? The, writing a book is something that everybody has the potential to do. Do you have encouragement for people that are, because everyone, you know, you hear somebody and they tell their story and you're like, you should write a book. Uh, what is, what is it that goes into a book proposal and creating a successful book proposal? How, do you have any tips or suggestions for how to do that? I think that, um, you know, the most important thing is, you know, you have this creative piece that you've written more maybe on the artistic side, creative, but then you have to think from a business perspective on the other side, okay, is this marketable? Is this something that a publisher would want to take on and be able to make money from? So right. there's, there's, I think, two sides to that is, is you, you have to look at the marketability um, and the salesmanship of the, of the product too. Yeah. And there's another piece to it. Just for you, I'm thinking about, you can get the statistics out there that say there are this many incoming college freshmen every single year. And there are, there are, you know, every school has dorms and you can talk about the number of kids that are leaving home and are going to be living in a dorm. And you've got the statistics for a ready-made audience to say, okay, this is who it is. And, you know, especially then, the question becomes who is your target market and maybe you can help identify this is your target market 
the students themselves or are you targeting the parents to buy the book for the students or how did you decide where that where your market is? I think both, but in particular, the focus of the target market has been the parents. Typically, they're the ones with the pocketbooks right. um, that are going to be purchasing the book. Yeah, and, Not always, but... Sure. Well, okay. And in that, you want to take it, you want to take care of your kids, right? And so, right. Um, have you heard of Insomnia Cookies? It, oh, yes. Right. Yes, Which, on my daughter's credit card statement every month. Yes. Yeah. So uh, for those of you not familiar with the idea, it's it's a fresh baked cookie delivery company that focuses on college towns. So wherever there's a college, they open up a shop and they will deliver fresh baked cookies, like still warm baked cookies until like three o'clock in the morning. So if you're having a late night study session and you you know, the, whether it's the student ordering it for themselves or the parents saying, like, I'm thinking of my child, I want to do something special for them. So this is the same concept of what you're working on to say, as a parent, when my child begins to say, uh, or my fresh, my freshman or sophomore or college student says, I can't stand the cafeteria food that becomes your target market because they they have the interest, they have the desire and they have the pocketbook, which is, I think is a very important thing because now you, you know where to market that. And I've had a number of marketing experts on who then say, okay, now that you know who your target market is, that defines where you do your marketing. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. um, you, if you're going after parents of college age students, you're not going to market to them on TikTok. Um, that's where you might find the college students. So interesting. I love it. So do you have any suggestions for people then who are kind of think, I would love to do something like this, but I don't know what problem to solve or what to write about, or how do you, how can you help people kind of identify what niche to fill? I think you just have to have a problem and then not have a solution, okay. Um, whatever that is, whether it's related to your kids or your job or your house or whatever that problem is. What do you not know how to do? Do you not know how to fix something? Do you not know? You know what is what is the what is something that you wish there was just an easy solution to? And I mean that would be like a nonfiction type, sure um, book. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was going to say nonfiction and fiction are obviously two very, very separate areas um, because one is kind of what appeals to you and what, you know, fiction is kind of if, what you like, but nonfiction is more, um, you know, it, it's solving the problem that faces you um, mm -hmm. right head on. So we talked a little bit about this, but as you are developing that marketing plan, it, that's, I guess kind of writing your book proposal is the beginning of developing that marketing plan. Is that, is that right? Right, right. I, you know, part of the book proposal would be what are the other books in the space? How is yours different? And then how do you propose to target, like you said, the, the market that you're looking at and, and, and how do you intend to reach those and how can the publisher kind of help you connect 
connect the dots. Sure. Um, do you do you do any creative marketing? And I realize you've got a full time job, so you know. I do. Uh, so, but I'm wondering about other other ways in which you can do some creative marketing. I, I just like I'm imagining, you know, at orientation at at West Virginia University that if there's a you sitting at a table with a curing machine and serving <laughs> serving hot soup to people or you know to, as a marketing way for the book but are there are there ways that you're you're able to do that marketing and kind of have fun with it and and be creative well i think covid's definitely put a wrench in some of the in person orientation type events that that was initially my thought as well was go where the perspectives or the perspective parents and students would be right. and, and try to reach them. But right now that's probably not an option. Um, one thing I've done that's been really successful that's kind of surprised me was I'm in these Facebook groups for the universities where my kids attend. So my daughter goes to an out of state university. My son's getting ready to go to West Virginia university and, I, and there are Facebook groups for the parents. Right. And so I posted in those groups, hey, you know, this not sure if this will help anybody, but I've written this book. And and the response was overwhelming. I mean, all these people commenting and messaging me and yes, order the book. Oh, my gosh, it's exactly what I wanted. And that really kind of surprised me because I really wasn't thinking that I would sell hundreds of copies that way. Um, sure. But that's how it turned out. That's awesome. And so on. Um, is the book, I'm assuming the book is available, obviously, online. Is it in bookstores as well? Um, it is. It is. It's in um, Nationwide. Um, it's You can get it online, Amazon, Walmart, Barnes & Noble, but it's also available in stores as well, Nationwide. That's cool. All right, so the reason I wanted to highlight that is what we're talking about here is the story of a first-time author who is not, who doesn't have a history as an author, who is writing a cookbook is not a chef is, you know, and is able to take all of that adversity and end up in a place where you've written a book that is traditionally published and is available online and, and nationwide. It's, it's a fantastic story and it should serve as a way to encourage other people who are out there who are writers and uh, listen, I'm a writer too. I've, I've written uh, two autobiographical books and, I chose to self-publish mine, but it's that encouragement. Everybody is out there. Now, I'm, I'm thinking about it from a different perspective. And that is you were, you were doing this as a way, kind of as a service to your daughter. What about people who are thinking about doing a book as a way to market their business? Um, do you have any thoughts about, you know, identifying the need that your business serves or helping to to you or helping to market your business by doing a book what do you think about that i think you have to think again you know you you have this piece but but look at the flip side of it how is this going to be marketable and, and why would other people want your book so yes you may in turn be marketing your business but how is what you're going to do going to benefit someone else Okay. Turn it around and look at the profitability. A lot of people just think, well, you know, I'm just going to write this book. Right. Really have to, you know, start with the end in mind. Sure. Um, why would someone want to read this book? 
what's what's on the other side yeah you know i love that idea and the idea is that books are written for readers not for writers okay right. and so there's a part of it where I want to I want to be an author. I want to be a published author. I want to have my book out there. I want to use it as a marketing tool. All of those things. But if it's if it's not written in a way that benefits readers, it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. Uh, and there's there's no purpose to it. Uh, you do you have next steps for what you want to do with this book? Um, you know, is there is there going to be a sequel? Is there going to be uh, you know? What a, where's, where are you going from here? I think there is going to be a sequel. Um, it's something that I've thought about. I'm so entrenched right now in, in the initial book launch and the marketing, but, but uh, yes, I think I do. I do want to do another one. Um, and, and like you said, it, this is more of a part-time thing. I do have a full-time job, so it'll be something that I kind of intersperse in my sure. life. But yes, I do. I do. I, I've really enjoyed uh, being an author and, and it's really been fun. Um, something different than, you know, in our lives, I think we have to spice it up a little bit, you know, being an accountant, certainly I enjoy what I do, but you know, it's kind of nice to have some spice to life and do something just completely different. Yeah. I, I think it was Monty Python used to have a segment on their show. like, and now for something completely different, and, and, <laughs> right. but there's, even though you're writing nonfiction, there's still a creative element to what you're doing that, okay, please don't be offended as an accountant and all of the accountants out there that are listening. Accountancy is, is kind of cut and dry and uh -huh. there's not a whole lot of room for creativity in there. And yeah. when you are creative, it generally is against the principles of accounting, I feel like, <laughs> right? But what you've been able to do is find a creative outlet uh -huh. um, and and in that, you know, be of service, not just to your daughter and, and to your son eventually, but to be of service to others. I, I love that. How do you, how do you kind of have that eye for opportunity or, you know, to, to be looking to the future, to be looking to what's going on around you, to see needs? Like, how do you develop that concept in yourself and how can you encourage others with that? I think, again, it's, it's looking for something that isn't there and, and realizing it's not there and thinking, you know, maybe I'm the one that can fill that void. Maybe yeah. I'm the one that can, can do this. Yeah. I, it makes, it makes a lot of sense and it's, it's really cool. So listen, what you're doing, I love. Okay. And I'm encouraged by this, that you have taken, you've said that, I've, I see the need and instead of sitting and moaning about the fact that um, there is this need and there's no one there, you say, I, here, I'm the, I'm the one to fill the need. I'm the one to do this. It's great. Listen, if people are looking to find out more about you or to, to get a copy of your book, where can they do that? Well, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart.com, several other bookstores um, throughout the United States, online and in person. And um, I have a Facebook page. It's um, Sarah with an H. And then my middle name, is my middle initial is H. So it's two H's. Okay. Sarah H. Long, author. 
Uh, .com is my website. Facebook, it's Sarah H. Long Author as well. Okay. And then I have an Instagram. It's uh, College Cooking 101 Book. Okay. And then, of course, Twitter is Sarah H. Long One. Okay. And I will put links to all of those things down in the show notes uh, so that people can get a hold of you and get a, grab the book. And uh, I would encourage them, you know, if you've got college-age kids, this is fantastic. If you know someone who's got college-age kids, this is great. And um, it's an encouragement to all of us that when you see a problem, go out there and see what you can do to solve it. Sarah, we have come to three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for these, my friend? I think I'm ready. Are, me. Wonderful. First question, what is the craziest thing you have ever done in the name of love? That is a tough one, especially for an accountant who doesn't do crazy things. So, um, I, and I have to, I, I have to tell you that, right, you know, the book is, I see the book as a labor of love and a way of expressing love to your kids. So I'm, I'm going to take that one off of the table and you can't go there. So if that was where you were going, I'm sorry to, <laughs> sorry to switch things up on you. I would say, um, <clears throat> Probably when my kids were younger, I probably went a little mama bear a little too much um, when they were when they were younger. Probably, you know, with my third child, I think I've raised that one a, a lot differently. Just uh, probably let them let them fight their own battles. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you say that because any parent knows I'm a very laid back person. But if there is one thing that you can do to get me like riled up and ready to fight in an instance, it is mess with my kids. Um, and so, yeah. And it's, it's also, I also think it's really funny when you talk about how your youngest kid gets away with things, you know, things you, your youngest child mm -hmm. is raised differently. And it, you kind of, your first child um, helped you work out what is important as a parent. And by the time that you get to the third kid, um, it's just a slightly different experience. So very cool. Absolutely. A hundred percent. hundred percent. So what is your favorite movie? Favorite movie. Um, you know, I am, I love Christmas movies, probably just about any Christmas movie. I love, um, Christmas vacation. I mean, that has to be watched every year Yeah, for sure. I, Okay. I'm going to tell you, I completely agree. Christmas Vacation is one of the all-time classic movies. And it's, it kind of, it surpasses its time because it's an old, it's, it's not a new movie, but the yeah. experiences that are there. And just from a, a personal note, uh, my very best friend growing up, there were three of us that were best friends, me, uh, my friend Mark, and my friend Dave. Uh, Mark lived uh, literally across the street from me where I am right now for a number of years. He and his wife were there. Um, and every year it was a tradition that our families would sit down and watch Christmas vacation together. And it was one of those things that the family said it wasn't the same unless Mark and Rob were giving you all of the lines before they ever happened because we had memorized <laughs> the whole thing. And so sadly he passed away from prostate cancer several years ago, but I feel that it's, there's a, a tribute to him 
when it's Christmas time and we get together and we watch the movie and I feel like I've got to make the quotes for both of us, to, which is cool. But I, I completely agree that Christmas vacation, it's, it's a must watch tradition. All right. I love it. Yeah. All right. Last question for you. When it comes to non-American foods, okay. And I don't know if foreign foods is the politically correct word or not, but what is your favorite non-American uh, cuisine? I would say anything Italian, lasagna, manicotti, um, spaghetti with meatballs, love, love it. I'm not Italian, but I, maybe there's some in the family line there because I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that, I think that for me, I'm not Italian either, but I think I have Italian taste buds because I really enjoy Italian food. So you're, you're down in Charleston, West Virginia, right? And uh, mm -hmm. is there a good Italian place in the area for you? There is. Fazio's is a locally owned Italian restaurant here that's very, very popular. It's wonderful. Excellent. And so when Sarah Long is going to Fazio's, what are you ordering? Uh, definitely the manicotti with garlic bread, for sure. I, I, what is it about Italian place? It, like the bread is just <laughs> phenomenal. It, yeah, sometimes you yeah. can make a meal on that itself. Listen... Sarah, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate you being here. For all of you that are out there, if you have college-age kids, if you know someone who has college-age kids, I, this, is, this is a fantastic idea. The book is wonderful. I would encourage you, go get the book. Uh, and if you need to figure out where it is, check in the show notes. We'll have links to it there. And Sarah, thank you for being on. To all my listeners, thank you for being a part of this. It is you that make this truly a worthwhile endeavor. And I remind you, as always, that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.